Good morning and welcome to ASL's HR in 10. That's 10. I'm Jason Perry. And I'm Kimberly Bradshaw. And we're both HR professionals and we get together here on YouTube once a week and talk through what's going on in the world of HR. Um, so often, Kimberly, it, it, and it still seems to be, it's COVID focused, isn't it? The news is still about what's going on with the virus. Yes, and, you know, the plan A and plan B for the winter plans, and, oh, dearie me. Let's, rolls on. Yeah, let, let's start with the end of furlough, because there's been some interesting data creeping out about the average age of um, uh, retirement, seems the right word, creeping down. People are leaving the workforce a little earlier, aren't they? Yes, um, I thought that was interesting. It was the DWP, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, if I have it correct, the average age of men leaving the workforce, oh, hang on, I've got the statistics here, fell by 0.2% to 65.1 years and 0.3% for women to 64 years. But um, I, you mentioned retirement. Uh, I was reading an article and it was said that although retirement is something, a key reason for people leaving is still sickness, mm. injury, disability, I... and also only 10% are looking after the home or family. Yes. Well, I, I hesitated on choosing my word retirement, um, but I, I, I chose the word because of the age group we're talking about. Yeah. And what, what kind of caught my attention was over the past few years, we've seen the retirement age firstly creep up and then effectively be scrapped. But what appears to be happening is the age at which people are leaving the workforce appears to be coming down slightly and almost matching what you and I might have thought a few years ago were the retirement ages. I mean, 65.1 being the average age at which um, men are now leaving the workplace. Well, that sounds fairly close to me as to what we used to think was the retirement age. I wonder if that's a generational thing. And, you know, people of our age group, I know that we're, you know, a little bit apart, but, um, you know, we grew up with parents that were working towards retiring at 60 for women and 65 for men. Mm. And I just wonder if it's a generational thinking thing, you know, you gear uh, up for it. Yeah, I, I suppose that the, the thing that strikes me is over the past year, we've seen so many people reevaluate. Um, their life, the importance of work, the um, emphasis they put on the importance of work versus family life. And I wonder whether that's also creeping in here and we've got a, another factor of people going, you know what, I don't want to work till I'm 70. Um, mm. I want to enjoy some of these years and people are reevaluating, let's say, how much money they need and what lifestyle they need to perhaps live a little more within their means. Yes, and certainly that was the biggest rise. That group was showed the biggest mm. jump in uh, people leaving. I think, what was it? It was 8.8% 8, 8 .8 to 9.2%. Yeah. Uh, so that's what 4.4% increase, which is higher than the men or the women on, in isolation. Yes. I, I guess what really um, focused my mind in that, and I'm going to kind of merge subjects together now, um, we've talked about quite a lot over the past few weeks, the challenges in the jobs market. Um, we've just, I, mean, I think it's the ONS have now said what 
Uh, yeah, most of us in HR or recruitment have known for weeks, um, and they've said the number of um, vacancies has now passed a million, I think. And I think Adzuna said it hit 1.13 million about six weeks ago. So we've got various sources of data, the ONS being arguably the official one, are piling on and saying, yep, the number of vacancies is now over a million. We've got people of retirement age, if you'll forgive me for using that phrase again, now saying, actually, I'm coming out of the labour market at a time when we don't have enough people. And I think the challenges for employers are just getting more and more. I think you're absolutely right. Um, am I right in thinking that that's the highest figure since rec uh, they've started recording? I, I uh, love the since records began, which probably means yeah. 1997 or 2001 or something. Exactly. But yes, yes, it is. Um, it's a worry. I mean, you and I both know clients that are struggling to recruit. Mm. Um, where they would normally get 30 applicants, they're getting three and possibly only one's worth interviewing, potentially. You know, and I think it's only going to get worse. Yes. Um, you shared with me the, uh, the information about the government investment mm. uh, program, didn't you? Yes. I mean, well, it, I was going to say the the other bit that I think is really important to throw in here. We've again we've been talking over however many weeks and months as to what the state of the market is, but the ONS again another piece of data I picked up on um, this morning or yesterday um, was the number of people in payrolled employment. So this is on PAYE schemes has now passed pre-pandemic levels, um, and that's again. For the first time, you know, the number of vacancies over a million for the first time since 2001 is the number. I've just found that date. So since records began in 2001. But also, we've got more people in work now than we had on the 23rd of March 2020. Which is also interesting when you think that we've still got over a half a million people furloughed. Yes. So with that level of employment. Yep. Where are we going to find the people to fill these million jobs? Exactly my point. Um, and you follow that in, and a really interesting piece, the government are going to invest this money in creating uh, 425,000 new jobs over the next four years. Um, and, you know, that's really good if we're investing in skills. We're investing in apprenticeship schemes. But actually, where are the people going to come from? Because right now they're not there. Um, yes, and it's just going to compound the issue of too many job vacancies and not enough people. Yes. I think there's another issue. When I was reading that article that you kindly sent, what went through my mind, they were talking about, you know, this is to help uh, lifelong learning and development, um, to, to create strong career paths. And, you know, I know a lot of organisations who are actually a bit reluctant to invest in learning and development for their staff because their fear is they become more qualified, they become more poachable and they leave. Yes. And, and so I was going to say, you're right, but this really, really gets to the heart of it from, uh, let's say, an HR perspective, which right now is the time more than ever to stand out as an employer of choice. Now is the time to invest in your people. And we know it's not about salary. So actually get those working conditions right. Get your contracts of employment right. Look at your benefits packages, whatever they are, 
and show people, not just care, but show them that you care so that they mm -hmm. feel valued and they want to stay with you and that you've got long-term prospects. There's never been a more important time in my mind to get that right. You're absolutely right. You know, our favourite phrase is employer engagement. Whoops, I, who forgot to switch her phone off? <laughs> uh, sorry. This is the joy of doing it live. Exactly. And then, yeah, I remember to shut the doors and then get attacked by cats. But, um, uh, yeah, I think what you were saying, there, there are so many cost-effective ways to put these things in mm. place that don't cost an arm and a leg. And, yes. You know, pence per employee rather than hundreds of pounds yes. per employee. Yes. But it's about knowing where to look and where to find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I may have mentioned on here before one of the things we've done for our people, and we've actually done for every ASL temporary worker, we've given them access to a private GP. And do you know, something like that, just to show them that there is a degree of support for them above and beyond what you'd expect. Um, and I mean, from our point of view, it makes sense because they need to take less time off to ring their GPs at 8.30 in the morning and make an appointment. But if you can bypass things like that and offer something that's perceived as a benefit, yes, it helps you, but it actually shows people that you care. And there's so many ways, whether or not it's, I've heard of employers doing something like, putting a fruit bowl in the staff room and providing fruit for their staff. Um, mm. It costs small amount of money, but it, it creates that impression of mm. someone who actually is interested in the people that work there. And it's those small steps, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. And, you know, there's a lot of e-learning programs that you can do that yes. are fun, engaging. Um, and, you know, they cost you know, a few pounds per head. Uh, so yes, as you say, there's yep. a lot of options that don't cost the earth, but really make you yes. sound like a fabulous employee. Absolutely. And that's it, is look fabulous. That right now is what's going to make the difference to you attracting and retaining your people. Kimberly, um, as ever in HR in 10, we've been talking for 10. So we'll, we'll wrap it up there for today. Thanks as ever. Um, and we will do the same again, same time next week. I look forward to it. Goodbye. See you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.